Good morning and praise the Lord. Good morning. The Lord is good and all the time. The Lord is good and that is his nature. I am so happy to be with us today. Um, how many of us carried our palms to church? Friends, today is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday. And the purpose we brought them to church is so we can shake them. So don't keep it on your seat. So I am going to say, uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And your response is, Hosanna in the highest. Amen. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, if you have a big palm, be share with your neighbor a few leaves. Don't just shake and your neighbor is busy watching. Please share. Please share with Pastor Jude. Pastor Jude has none. Please share. And mine has a beautiful flower. I took time to work at it. Amen. So we do it one more time. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Yes, now I feel good. I've used my palm. Amen. But imagine in carrying, carrying it here and taking it back home like that. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this is the day you have made for us to rejoice and be glad. Thank you, Lord, for this Palm Sunday as we do reflect on your word. I pray for myself as I pray for these, my brothers and sisters, that, Lord, you will help us understand what it exactly means for you to come into our lives, for you to walk into Jerusalem. And so as we study your word, bless us, help us understand it. In Jesus' name we pray. Now, friends, Palm Sunday is a beautiful Sunday because... As we read scripture, we realize that that is the day Jesus walked into the city of Jerusalem. And as he walked into this city, he is given an entry. Kind of what happened a few, not exactly that, a few days ago uh, all over social media as people received the bishop of uh, North Chigezi, you would see people standing by the roadside, clapping, singing all sorts of songs, except that for Jesus, there was a donkey to take him in. So it is an interesting day because Jesus enters into this city. But before he enters into the city, Jesus stops and thinks to himself, this city has not understood the time of its visitation. They are welcoming me in as king, but I am sure many of them have their own intentions. So as they welcome him as Lord and King, shouting, he is coming to reign. Hmm. A few days later, the very people that welcome Jesus saying, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. As we come to the end of the week on Friday, it is as if these people have actually forgotten they welcomed him and they begin to say crucify him crucify him kill him isn't it interesting how we human beings are eh? isn't it so today we are going to study a passage that relates with us as believers in christ and it is in zechariah chapter 9 verses 9 to 12 and i want to thank my friend that read for us very well now, Zechariah is writing to a people 
that are demoralized. He is writing to a people that are discouraged. He is writing to a people that have so much need and lack in their lives that they look at themselves and they think they cannot accomplish the things that they want to accomplish. He is writing and speaking to a people that are depressed, people that seem lost in the midst of their problems because their problems are numerous. They cannot cope with them. Now, I want us to remember that the people he is writing to started out very well. Remember, they had been in captivity. The Lord says, I will take you out of Babylon, out of Persia, and I will take you to your land. And as they begin this journey to leave uh, the land of captivity, they're excited. But as they journey into going back to their land, some of them are not mentally prepared for what they're going to go through. The land that they are going to has had devastation, and they cannot imagine where they are going to start from. So as they reach their home, they begin to rebuild the temple, but they later on give up because they imagine the work is too big for them. Now, in that time when they have stopped building the temple and working on their nation, the Lord brings up the prophet Haggai. Now, the Lord brings up this prophet Haggai to come and encourage them, to tell them, you know what, you're beginning this work. I do not want you to give up. I want you to be encouraged because the Lord will help you accomplish this work. The Lord will come to you and give you grace to finish. Now, as Zechariah comes in after Prophet Haggai, they had started building the temple, but it has been two years now, and it doesn't feel like the temple is being finished kind of what happens to us and this big cathedral behind me. There are those of us that have seen it start. We were babies, the people building, building. The thing doesn't just seem to be finished. And as the prophet Zechariah comes to them, he is also coming to them with encouragement. He is telling them, you know what, this time arise and build, be encouraged because the Lord is coming. He is going to come and dwell in that temple. He is going to come and encamp in this house that you are building. So stop whining, stop complaining, and start rejoicing and start shouting because your king is coming. And so he says to them in verse 9, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you. Rushes and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fall of a donkey. He tells them, you know what, this king is coming. The king of kings, the lord of lords is coming to you people that are seemingly confused and tired. But as he comes, he is coming to you with salvation. He is coming and the entrance with which he comes into Jerusalem is a humbling one. Many of us know for a king to come, there is some sort of pomp. Eh? Red carpets have to come. There needs to be security. There need to be bodyguards. But this king, Zechariah says, is coming in lowly and sitting on a donkey. What king would do that? I, I, you know, I work here. There are many times you want to drive back home, but then you're told, please stop, and you stop for over two hours because... They are preparing for the president to come. 
And the times I feel like, I'm, I'm, I mean, this man has not yet left his home, but they're telling us to stop. He is the president. You have to stop and let him pass. So this king that is coming is not coming like the ordinary kings. He is coming in a humble state, sitting on a peaceful animal. Many of us know that kings then actually would not ride uh, donkeys into war. They would ride horses. Horses are the animals that are known for war, for battle. But this king is coming. The people are expecting him to, to rescue them from the tyranny of the enemy. And he's coming on a calm animal. But because they are excited, they do not seem to understand it. And so fast forward in verse 11. Prophet Zechariah speaks of a category of people that he calls prisoners that are in the pit. He says in verse 11, As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Now, I want to pause a bit and paint for us a picture of what prison meant then. Those days, there was no Luzira, a well-built house where prisoners would be put. Those days, prisons were not built. They would find wells that dried up, and they would push prisoners into those wells. And as a means of ensuring they do not escape out of the wells, they would kind of roll a big stone to cover on top so that the prisoner is held in there. And usually these wells would be muddy and the person would be left there alone. It was almost like being buried alive. Sometimes if your family and friends had compassion on you, they would come and would be given a little space where they would pass some food for you to eat. It was not good at all. So the prophet Jeremiah pictures for us the children of God as prisoners in such a pit, a waterless pit, a prison without water. Now, many of us are able to go without food for some time, but going without water has a limit. There is a limit to which our bodies can hold without being given water. So imagine this prisoner in that waterless pit down there. You do not have food, but most importantly, you do not have water. And so if you found yourself in such a prison, in such a pit, surely there would be no hope of escaping. And the wells then were built deep down. Can I kind of remind us, remember the well that Jesus found the Good Samaritan at? Do you remember? That she actually told him, but you do not have a cup of jerrican with which I can draw for you water. They were that deep that she had to get uh, a cup or something, tie on it, draw it down to draw some water for Jesus. So imagine that is the pit, a dried one without water where someone is put and a stone has been put on top. There is surely no hope of escaping. You are confined in that place. And if you are in such a place, you have no hope. You have no hope that you will get out of that place by yourself. And as I thought about the waterless pit that Zechariah talks about, I realized, wait a minute. It is possible that each one of us has their own waterless pit. 
There are times we find ourselves enclosed in a number of prisons of all sorts that we seemingly see that there is no hope for us to get out of them. Some of us have sunk so deep in those sinful practices and you know you're trying to deal with that thing but it's seriously eating you up. Prisons of the lust of the flesh. You are addicted to something. You're trying to get yourself out of this speed. But every time you try to tell yourself, this is the last time I am masturbating or watching this dirty thing. But lo and behold, you find yourself trapped in it. You, you cannot help yourself out of that pit. You are addicted. Some of us, by the way, are serial liars. In the movies we watch of serial killers, not so so addicted to it there are some of us eh? if our friends could address us by that our name would be serial liar there is that pit you're held in you cannot help yourself there is that pit some of us want to take almost everything whether it is yours or not you just have a habit of picking on things that is the pit you're lost into and you have sought so hard to deliver yourself out of that pit, but you do not seem to succeed. By the way, you know that where I am is not a good place. I need to get out of it. But you labor so much, you try, but you every time you're, you're trying seems to hit a dead end. And, and as a minister of God's word, many times it is very saddening to find that most of these pits actually destroy lives. You look at a young man so lost into drugs. You see alcohol destroy a beautiful, brilliant mind. You see these sorts of practices destroy families, destroy a beautiful career. The pits are so deep. And as I thought about the pit of these people that is waterless down there without hope, I imagine all the sorts of pits that we usually find ourselves in, down there with a stone over us, with no hope of rescue, and we seem to be confused. And every time there is effort to try and help us, our parents try, probably let us take them to rehab, let us give them mentors. But every time you come clean, it is as if there is a demon calling you back to this pit, saying you belong to us. And what happened, what is said in Proverbs 26, 11, actually comes to pass over you. It says, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his fully. The pit is so deep that it's beginning to claim you, you are ours. The Bible talks of a pig that wallows in its mire. You go back over and over again. And so you are held in, you want out, but there is seemingly nothing you can do to free yourself. Friends, the prophet Zechariah speaks of a pit where they are prisoners and there is no water in verses 11. A waterless pit. And I want to pray that as we reflect about this king that comes, the words that the prophet Zechariah says to be true about him, not only applied to the people he addressed then, they also do apply to us. The prophet Zechariah says, you know what? 
You have been prisoners in this waterless pit. But if you do what verse 12 says, there is hope. Hallelujah. This king that comes is able to turn things around. He is able to free us and get out of these waterless spirits that we find ourselves in. Friends, one of the great prophecies of this coming king that we receive this Palm Sunday is that he will open prison doors of those who are bound, that those that he finds in the pit where there is no water, he himself will become that stream of living water. And so when Jesus commissions Paul, he actually tells him, I am calling you so that you will snatch people out of darkness, so that you will deliver them from the power of Satan. That is exactly what this coming king that walks into Jerusalem this Palm Sunday is coming to do. Unfortunately, many times we have misunderstood him like the people of Israel then who thought he's simply coming to free them of their slave masters. We actually think he is coming to do all sorts of things that will free us and make us happy in our own selves. Friends, it is important for us to understand and have a right concept of who this king is and what actually brings him in a way that is not similar to how many kings come. And so the message for us today is that you can be delivered from the pit of sin that you find yourself in. This king that is coming to us has the power to set us free from the chains by which we are bound. And I want to ask before I proceed, what is it that you have tried to do for yourself to get rid of, but it seems to be stuck with you? Friends, this king is coming to set you and are free and deliver you from it if only you will allow him to do that. He is coming to free us from our burden of sin. But notice that he's not simply coming to take us out of the pits we find ourselves in where there is no water. He is equally coming to satisfy that thirst within our souls by being the river of living water from which we drink. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 40 and verse 2, he says, you know what? The Lord brought me out of the mary clay. He set my feet upon a rock and he established my goings. He remembers the situation he found himself in. Very fallen, very uh, unencouraged, very confused. But as the Lord came to him, he remembers, you know what? My feet were not stable. I was standing on clay, going to sink, but the Lord brought me out, put me on stable ground, and he established my goings. Friends, that can only happen if you allow the Lord to come and deal with that pit in your life. Jesus himself said that in John 7 about himself. He says, you know what? If any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who drinks of the water I give out of his innermost being, there will flow rivers of living water. So what waterless pit are you finding yourself in this Palm Sunday? What situation is seemingly becoming difficult for you to get yourself out of? 
And I want to tell us we cannot help ourselves, but lo and behold, today presents with us a king that is ready and able to help us. So Prophet Zechariah encourages these prisoners in this speech where there is no water, and he tells them, you know what, your salvation can only come if you turn to the stronghold. If you turn to the Lord, there is deliverance. And so he says in verse 12, return to your fortress, O prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. Deliverance is only going to come if we return to this king that is coming, if we return to him because he is our fortress. Now, he was speaking of a category of people that are lost down in that pit. But now he transitions into a second category of people that he calls prisoners of hope. The first prisoners he addresses are those finding themselves in a pit where they cannot help themselves. But now he is helping us understand that it is possible for one to transition from being a prisoner lost down in a waterless pit upon returning to Jesus and be called a prisoner of hope. And so he says, um, before I even continue, remember what it, it is written for us in Job, in Job 27 and verse 8. Job asks, what is hope to a hypocrite? Another big passage, but as Job asks himself these words, I imagine at this moment the people he is talking to, Zechariah, are asking themselves, what hope, to what hope is this man calling us? What hope is he talking about? And the hope Zechariah is talking about and calling these people to be prisoners of is that hope found in Jesus Christ. The hope of fulfillment of the promises of God. And I'm imagining what hope is there for a man at the time when he's about to die. They feel they have tried all they can. Things are not working out and some of them think we are actually better off dead than living. But he says to them, you know what? Jesus is this hope. And he is challenging them about their eternity. He's asking them, are you sure that after this week has gone by, Easter and later on your time of dying, you will stand before this king? Do you have the hope of the resurrection? Do you have a hope to a life after here? And he's saying, do not be deceived, friends. Death of our physical bodies is not our end. The Bible says it is appointed for each man to die once and after that judgment. And so for those of us that have not received this king and are thinking, you know what, I will die and that will be the end of me, the Bible says it is appointed for you to die and after dying, judgment will come. And guess who will be at that judgment throne? The king that comes to us today. And so he says, I want you to be careful about where you are placing your hope. And he tells them our hope is in the coming Messiah. It is he that will bring an end to all the wars 
It is he that will bring an end to all these nations that are rising and are fighting us. It is he that will bring an end to this waterless pit we find ourselves in. It is he that is able to draw us out of there. It is this king that you need. Not just for your life now to get you out of the pits you find yourself in, but also to give you the assurance of eternal life. Because after death, there will be a time of judgment. But he says this king is righteous. This king comes having salvation with him, and he wants to extend that salvation to each one of us if we are willing to receive it. And so he says, I want you to be prisoners of hope, hoping in the Lord Jesus Christ, because this hope, it is the one that sustains us. Friends, if we believe in Jesus, we have this hope that he is coming to establish his kingdom among us and that we will forever reign and live with him. There is this beautiful hymn I love to sing because I think the writer upon choosing what words was led by the Holy Spirit. So he writes and says, My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. He continues to say, I dare not trust the sweetest flame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. Where is your hope? As this king comes into Jerusalem today, where is your hope? Where is your hope anchored? Is it built on him? Is it built on the status of your parents? I mean, they are able to afford whatever you need, but are they able to do something for you with regard to eternity? Where is your hope? For many of us, it is in our friends. Where is your hope? For the writer, his hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. So this King Jesus is coming to us. And I want to ask you, are you in a prison or pit where there is no water? Jesus is calling you to turn into being a prisoner with hope anchored on him because only he is able to save us. And you see, becoming a prisoner of hope is rewarding. He tells us that if you become a prisoner of hope, if you return to him, he is going to restore twice as much to you. Zechariah is speaking to a people that had seemingly lost almost everything. And he says, you know what, if you return, God is able to restore not just the same portion you had, but he's able to restore twice as much that is what my Bible says towards the end of verse 12. It says, even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you if you return to me. You could have lost friends because now you have told them you believe in God. Some of those habits are not able to do. And they have seemingly abandoned you and you feel lonely in that school. Friends, God is able to bring friends to you that are glorifying his name. And in the later passage, he writes, kind of paints for us a picture of the benefits that he will give us in that twice as much. Read with me verses 14. He says, then the Lord will appear over them. 
His arrow will flash like lightning. The sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march in the storms of the south. And the Lord Almighty will shield them. They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They will drink and draw as with wine. They will be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save them on that day as the flock of his people. They will sprinkle in his land like jewels in a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive and the new wine the young women. There is promise of being restored if we return to him. He will save us. He will give us triumph. He will shield us. He will cause us to succeed in the land that is blessing us. Praise the Lord. He will restore us. He is making that promise to us. Now, I do not know if you have experienced the goodness of God, if you have experienced his power, but today he is making a plea to you. He is putting before you life and death. And he's pleading with you to choose life. One thing I love about God is that he will not force things down our throat. He has given us the liberty to choose. And so today he's equally making that, 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 that choice for you. He's saying, I have before me life and death. Choose what it is that you want for yourself. Do you want to be one that is in that waterless pit without hope of rescue? Or do you want to be a prisoner of hope, the hope in Jesus Christ that is able to get you through those difficult situations? It is before you. He asks you to choose. He wants you to have a right understanding of who this king that is coming is able to do. He's saying in as much as he's able to rescue you from that waterless pit, in as much as he's able to restore you for twice as much, he is still not forcing his way into your life. He wants you to choose. And it is very okay for you to say, you know what, I think I am safe in my waterless pit. Let me be here and find my death. He's okay with it. You would have made your choice. But are you sure that is what you would want to have for the rest of your life now and in eternity? So Jesus pleads with us today. He doesn't want us to miss the point like the people in Jerusalem did. They missed the mark. He doesn't want us to miss it. He wants us to be prisoners of hope, having our hope anchored in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And so as he comes into Jerusalem, as we remember his coming, he wants us to reflect upon our lives. There could be pits you want to surrender to him this morning. And I want to give us opportunity. Please do arise and let us pray together. And as you stand and as we reflect about our lives, I do not know about you, but I know about myself that there are certain things I am actually tired about. And in as much as I have tried in my own strength, I simply do not seem to have a breakthrough. And as I read this passage a few days ago, planning to share it with us, God through his Holy Spirit was reminding me that 
I am able to get you out of that waterless pit if only you will allow me to. If only you will surrender it to me. And so I want you to close your eyes as you stand and say that prayer before God. You know whatever it is that is holding you down. You know that particular addiction. You know that habit. You well know it is not good. And in your own strength, you have tried. You know you have tried. Your parents know they have tried, but it just doesn't seem to go. Will you whisper to Jesus this afternoon? He's here with us. He is coming with salvation in his hands. He is coming with peace. He is the God of peace. Jehovah Shalom. He is able to give you peace over that pit. He is able to. Will you open your mouth and pray to him? Will you open your mouth and tell him, Lord, I have come. You know it. I have come. You know whatever pit I am lost into. Tell him, I want to pray that as you, we remember your entrance into Jerusalem. Will that be the similar way you enter into my pit to snatch me out? Friends, the Lord is faithful. He's here with us. Unless you give him permission to, he is not going to. So tell him, Lord, I allow you. Tell him, Lord, I allow you. I give you authority over my life. Deliver me. I know you are the king that comes with salvation in your hand. You're able to save. You're able to deliver me. Tell him, Lord, you know it. You know it. You know it. There is also this habit that my parents don't know, but Lord, you know it. You know it. You know that every time I go to bed and I put lights out, you know what happens under my blanket. Tell him, Lord, you know it. You also know how it has become a burden. You know how many times I have tried. You know how many times I have tried to stop, but I can't seem to save myself. Tell him unto the king that walked into Jerusalem with salvation, Lord, I desire that same salvation for my life today. I desire that as you enter Jerusalem, you will enter into my heart with salvation in your hand, with deliverance in your hand, with hope in your hand. Friend, tell him, tell him. Who knows this is the moment God has been waiting for to minister deliverance. Tell him. The Lord hears those silent prayers, even those prayers that are said out loudly. Say it before God. Say it before God. Tell him, Lord, I need you. I need the salvation that you carry in your hand. I need you to give me peace. You are Jehovah Shalom. I need you to give me peace. I need you to give me peace. Pray and tell him, Lord, I pray that this Palm Sunday will not be a usual one. That as you come, Lord, I will not be left the same. I desire that you will snatch me out of this pit. Snatch me out, Lord. Snatch me out, Lord. Snatch me out, Lord, for your mercy. Snatch me. Tell him, Lord, snatch me out. Snatch me, King of glory. Rescue me, my master. Go tell him, Lord, you're able. You're able to save. You're able to save. You're able to save me from this addiction. Tell him, tell him he knows. Tell him. Tell him you are able. You are able. Rehab has failed. 
I seem to get to a point and draw back. Lord, you know I am trying. But today I come to you for rescue. The Bible has told us in Zechariah that as you come, you hold salvation in your hand. And the purpose is that you will give it to those that desire it. Tell him, Lord, I desire your salvation. Tell him, Lord, I desire you to help me. I desire you to save me. Lord, my parents love me so much, but it seems like they, they, they have come to their limit. They are not able to save me. Tell him, Lord, save me. Lord have mercy on me as you enter into Jerusalem significantly Lord will you enter into my heart will you enter into my heart friends tell it to the Lord tell it to the Lord he knows we have seen the Lord deliver us is able to deliver you we have seen the Lord save us is able to save you so tell him Lord have mercy Lord have mercy on me pick me out of this waterless feet Pick me out of this waterless pit. Set my feet upon a solid ground. You did it for the psalmist. Yes, we have read in Psalm 40 and verse 2, he testifies to that, that you picked him out of his falling. You picked him out of that waterless pit. And what you did for him is that you set him upon the rock. You caused his feet to be firm. Help us be firm, Lord. Help us be firm. Help these your children. Father, you know whatever each one of them is struggling with. And so we want to pray that the salvation with which you come this Palm Sunday will not pass them by. That, Lord, that salvation will come into their lives. That salvation will come into their families to restore broken marriages of their parents. Lord, minister to them. Pick their parents out of that waterless pit. It could be that some of them are worried about the affairs of their parents parents it is quarrel after quarrel and for many it is probably fights after fights disagreement lord as you come as you enter jerusalem we have read in your word that you carried salvation in your hands father will you minister that salvation into their families will you minister salvation into their families will you minister salvation into their families will you minister peace because this king that comes is the king of peace. He himself is the peace. Lord, will your peace reign? Will your peace reign? You're able to save us. You're able to save us. You're able to save us, King of glory. And Father, we desire that you will change our status from being prisoners in that waterless pit without hope of being rescued to helping us become prisoners of hope. Prisoners that have set their hope in Jesus Christ our Lord. Be exalted, be glorified in Jesus' mighty name we pray. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. And Lord, we thank you for this word. We ask that you continue to use it to accomplish the work for which you send it out. And will you cause us to meditate upon it this week? Be exalted, be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. May God bless you.